Hello, and welcome to Game of Thrones, the podcast where I, Emily Bateman, finally start watching Game of Thrones to see what all the fuss is about. This month, I'm joined by Andrew Kimball from the Level Playing Field podcast to talk about Season 3, Episode 8, Second Sons. I'm so excited to be jumping back into podcasting after my long break, so let's get right into it. So today I'll be discussing Season 3, Episode 8, Second Sons with another repeat guest, Andrew Kimball. How are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm good. I, I feel like it's been probably an entire season since we've talked Game of Thrones, right? Yes. It, yeah, it was season two for sure. I can't remember yeah. exactly where in the season it was, but... It was like midway. Hey, once a season, that's not bad. No, no, that's good. Yeah, a lot of shit's happened. So um, how was it uh, jumping into season three? Was it... Uh, I think uh, off mic, you were telling me it was a little harder to uh, to pick up where what was going on. <laughs> when I jumped into this episode, I was kind of thinking, man, I wish I would have jumped in a few episodes previous and kind of caught up a little bit because it was I was kind of playing catch up. And especially I've, I've watched the series twice from start to finish once kind of as it was airing. And then once when the last season was about to come out, we did a full like watch through me and my wife and so i know that stuff happens but watching this one episode i was like okay when did has that already happened is this okay i know obviously i can tell what's happening in this episode and where these characters are at but it's Mm -hmm. like all right just trying to kind of put all the background pieces back together in my mind with it's like yeah maybe i should have started this because i mean i knew i was coming on the show for like a couple weeks i had time i should have watched a few (laughs) more episodes but you know that's on me so no, well, I, honestly, I didn't think about it, and I'm I worry now that once I get further into it, is it going to be harder for people to just jump in, and are they going to have to like do a lot more background research to remember exactly what's going on? We did not hit a lot of people in this episode, so I could so I understand your confusion of all the people that we didn't see in this episode. Where are they in their track of the or their trajectory of this season as a whole? Right. Yeah, and. I think that it all depends on who comes on the show. Like some people are probably like, they know exactly what's going on. Me, I'm like, (laughs) you know, just with where I am in life and what's going on and stuff. It's like, all right, (laughs) trying to go back into the depths of my brain and pull my Game of Thrones knowledge back to Mm -hmm. the front. It's like, okay, playing catch up. I know, obviously I know like the super big things that, uh, Mm -hmm. that happened in this season, you know, like uh, Jay's favorite episode, apparently. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why. (laughs) <laughs> yeah that that was a that was a weird one but a lot of people i found um have had favorite ones my sister uh liked the last one before i uh, was the um the bear and the maiden fair she really like she really likes jamie and brienne so yeah. a lot of people are picking favorites now and in season four and five but right. seasons like you know one and two people are just kind of like yeah, whatever you know i'll take whatever's next yeah, the the early seasons, I mean, it's kind of like I was telling you earlier before we started recording, but like seasons one and two is where you, you're kind of setting up the pieces and you're mm-hmm. also kind of getting to know what the show is a little bit, like how this is different, how it how it treats its characters differently, like don't don't get attached. And um <laughs> and then three is really where like stuff starts to go down stuff starts really happening all the real interesting plot points and things like that start to present themselves um certain characters just get more interesting like i think daenerys is a lot more exciting to watch this season than previous seasons um mm-hmm. 
characters are introduced, all that kind of stuff. It's it also coincides with their budget increasing and things like that too. So the production value goes up alongside that. And so just a lot of things come together. Feels like the show is really catching its stride in season three. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, just the way that the dragons look at this point, it's like, Oh, yeah. okay. Somebody got some money. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think part of it is that the characters are already developed. We took two whole seasons to get to where they are. And now they're just being who they are. I mean, I didn't realize how much of a burden that was, especially for season one, but even for season two to just set up like who these people are as people just through their action. Um, so now we're just watching a story, which is I um, a little more entertaining. Yeah, but the thing with Game of Thrones is they're always throwing new characters at you. <laughs> and you're always... And you never know if like, okay, is this person important? Are they going to come back in like two seasons? And I'm like, oh, wait, I know this guy from somewhere. Who is this Mm -hmm. guy? And so, like you said, characters are who they are. and We get to kind of watch the story, but they're always throwing more stuff into the mix and pulling people out, you know? So Mm -hmm. it's, it's a wild ride pretty much from start to finish. For sure. Yeah, the the recaps are sometimes the only things that help me. Or going back through my notes, like I know this guy was in an episode like two like a season ago or like he he was he appeared Mm -hmm. two episodes ago but i don't remember what his deal is anymore yeah yeah so you're gonna have like a book of notes by the time you're done with this podcast that'd be Mm kind of crazy to go back and look at yeah yeah because especially because i write really stupid notes of like (laughs) like (laughs) like because i have to remember you know some of my reactions and just a lot of the times it's like all caps what the fuck or like you know (laughs) i i don't like this person or something really dumb stuff so yeah it'll be it, it would be definitely interesting it's, even now to go through season one notes to just be like, what did I think about these people? Cause I didn't have a high uh, opinion of most of them yeah. <laughs> to start with. <laughs> well, I guess we'll just jump into it. Cause we've got a new pairing that, uh, just, uh, was how the previous episode ended, which mm. is Ari was caught by the hound who was just randomly around where she was suspiciously. Okay. That's fine. So she wakes up untied, which is the first, like, not red flag, but, like, why was she untied? And then, for whatever reason, she just decides, well, I'm just going to kill him because he's asleep. And obviously, yeah. he wakes up immediately. He's like, all right, you got two options. Go ahead and kill me. I believe in you. Or you don't in one hit, and then both your arms are broken. And she's like, oh, never right. mind. <laughs> yeah. Their relationship is pretty funny to watch because she can't stand him and he's just kind of like he's just over it in general like he's done with the world's shit he doesn't care so when he tells her you know if you don't kill me with one hit i'm gonna break both your hands (laughs) it's just it's hilarious no bs just this is what's gonna go down so you better make that rock count Yeah, just matter of fact, too. It's just because, I mean, she should have realized at the time, like, why am I not tied up? You know, maybe it's because he's one step ahead of me or like, I don't take advantage of this, you know, quote, situation that wasn't really a good situation. Also, because it's in such contrast with his relationship with Sansa at, Mm. at this point, I'm sure it'll change. But it's just so weird to see him with the other Stark yeah daughter and they have such different like he's talking to her he never talked to sansa like at all except for this like one little speech he had towards the end which like you know all men love to kill and it's like ooh, okay cool you're gonna say that but he's just like 
gives no fucks anymore. And it's just like, I'm going to just do this like monologue of shit. And it's like, where did this come from? Because I was kind of flipping on him again this season, like with the brotherhood and everything. I was like, oh, I, I liked him so much in season two. And after this, I was like, I think I like him again. I don't know. <laughs> He's he's a weird one. He's a fun one to follow for that very reason, because you never really know what his deal is. And I don't know that he knows it. He's just kind of taking it one day at a time. Yeah, because because he he has a plan. Apparently he is. Uh, oh, and he tells her, oh, you know, you're lucky to have me to protect you. Um, and he's like, just telling the whole like, oh, I saved your sister from all these men. And she's like, nope, bullshit. And he's like, OK, you know, if you ever see her again, ask her. Mm hmm. And then she she assumes that they're going back to King's Landing, and he's like, fuck them. I'm taking you to your family. And she's like, but why? <laughs> she seemed like stunned and also kind of like maybe a little happy that like she's going to her family because that's where she wanted to go anyway. And she didn't seem mad that he was using her to get any money. Right. And I'm sure, you know, she's trying to keep a strong face and a, you know, cool head, but I'm sure in deep down inside she's pretty excited that it might that she might actually end up back with her family. Yeah, and the fact that like he has this whole plan and he knows where they are and everything. Oh, oh, and he pointed out that the brotherhood didn't tell her what was going on because it's like oh the whole countryside is talking about this wedding that your your family is going to be a part of so you know you were traveling with assholes basically and like i'm <laughs> i'm gonna be honest with you because what do i have to lose so let's get yeah. going and it's like okay cool yep that no bs attitude just spells it out for her, which is nice yeah no it was really it was really like a good interaction that i was surprised about uh because i was real worried you know the way that the previous episode ended and he was like don't scream or don't try and get away and i was like oh no yeah. what is your oh you're just taking her you're doing what you offered to do to sansa basically yep so like if she had gone with him maybe they'd both be together who knows Ugh. You think it's 100% for the money or do you think that that is part of what it is? He's trying to make up for the fact that he couldn't take Sansa. Um, hmm, I don't know. I feel like he did everything in his power besides forcing Sansa to right. take her. So I think it's just he maybe didn't didn't believe in her decision, but respected her decision because we don't that's off camera that we see her deny him to, to yeah. take her with him. So I don't I don't think it's to make up for it because it's not like he she couldn't have gone because right. i mean he at the end of i don't know whatever season it was he was like in her room waiting for her like hey we can go i can take you to literally your mother and for whatever reason she says no so i think he kind of sees an opportunity I don't know if it's like a whole fuck you to the world because he was on the Lannister side for so long. And I was like, well, I'll just talk. I'll, I'll help all these random Stark kids that I can find. <laughs> I'm not really sure. Yeah. Um, he blew her cover earlier with the, the Brotherhood when she was just trying to, to be you know inconspicuous. Maybe it's to make up for that, that uh, he saw that she was being carried around. But I, I'm not really sure his motivation besides money. I believe it's money. Um yeah. But I believe his intentions are better than most, like he said. You yeah. know, better than most men she would find out there. So next we go to um a place that we visit quite a bit, and it's the city that they're outside of is Yunkai, but we're not really focused on the city itself. Mm -hmm. We're focused on this army that that city has hired called the Second Sons. 
And let's see, Jorah's like talking shit about them because they're all men that have like broken their vows to whatever family or, or sigil or whatever that they that they had before. And they're run by what's called the Titan's Bastard, which I mean doesn't whatever like it's a weird name i don't and, and you don't even you don't even understand at the end of the episode like why he was called that because he wasn't even like that huge <laughs> and it was weird he's just trying to build a reputation for himself you could tell he's kind of maybe compensating for something oh gosh i hope so because yeah the way that he was talking the whole time i'm like you're a dick so daenerys decides well, i want to meet with them and see if they can be swayed because they've already been, you know, they're technically what seems to be sell swords of an army. Maybe they can be persuaded to change sides. So she meets with the three captains of the Second Sons. And Amiro is the, the one in charge, the Titan's bastard, who is just incredibly misogynistic and rude. And she does a pretty good job of holding it together. Yeah. Which I was impressed with. Yeah, his whole, I guess, character was mm. I felt a little overdone. Like mm-hmm. I was kind of rolling my eyes watching this scene. It was like, okay, we get it. You're this horn dog, like you only think about one thing. It's like, but it's like every single line he said, I just I felt like it wasn't really written in the best way. Like the whole thing was just kind of eye roll inducing. And I was like, all right, you know, I guess we're we gotta make a point here, but I feel like we could have done it a little bit better as far as the character goes yeah yeah like we were saying with character development and i mean it doesn't pay off for him anyway because at the end of the episode we find out he's dead right but you could tell they did not invest any time in like oh we're gonna make him this complex character now he's very one-dimensional very one note yeah and a dick and so (laughs) but then but you're right on the other the flip side the lieutenant the the much aris yes the much more good looking of the three one also and i was like well that's very pointed that like the best looking guy points out you know they lied about their numbers and they keep cutting to him and like where he's looking and everything like that Mm -hmm. so uh she offers why don't you fight with me instead um they're like oh we've already taken the gold we can't break this bond we're nothing without our word which really okay cool yeah. he was like no one would hire us again oh i don't believe that no so she gives them two days to decide sends them off with a barrel of wine does it use dario right yeah I, dario naharis i think is right that's how i say um, it okay they're all weird names <laughs> right um he like before they leave he like makes eyes at daenerys and i was like oh you went and i even wrote in my notes i was like he might change sides for whatever reason mm-hmm. right paid off good prediction thanks i did a good one <laughs> and then to to even hammer down more on that one note daenerys is like you know if it gets to be a battle kill miro first blah 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 and i'm like okay like we know we don't like nobody likes him like clearly this is not yeah. all right whatever so then we go to is it and i i'm so bad with this island um <laughs> i think it's called dragonstone island it's the one where stannis is the baratheon island or whatever yeah yeah it's uh yeah dragonstone so we've got another unfortunate pairing uh we've got <laughs> melisandre and gendry and they're quote home and he's like i don't know what the fuck is going on and they approach stannis in his like sad and lonely war room because it looks like he's just been brooding the whole time that she's been gone yeah he's getting good at brooding at this point 
I know, because well, because he was real desperate when she left in previous episodes, and um, so it's like, God, have you just been like this the whole time? Because you find out later, later in this scene, that I don't doesn't seem like he's gone to see Davos the entire time that she's been gone. Yeah, so he's just been by himself, like in that room, and I'm like, oh no. So Gendry is introduced to Stannis. Stannis, for whatever reason, immediately recognizes, oh, this is Robert's bastard. I'm like. Oh, that's weird that you can tell that. Well, they look just alike. I mean, <laughs> couldn't no, you they tell? Don't. No, <laughs> a maybe, white male with brown hair. Yes. Yeah, maybe they look more alike in the book. I don't know. Yeah, that was God, I hope so. Yeah, he was like, "Oh, I know this," and um, so they send Gendry off to a, like a nice room, give him a bath, and clean him up. Nice clothes. Yeah, all this, all this good stuff. And so um, Stannis is like, well, if you're, oh, what, did he ask like, well, what are your intentions? And she's like, well, you know what I'm supposed to be doing or you know what I'm going to be doing. And it's kind of insinuated that she's going to kill him. Yeah. And then he's like, well, then why are you like being nice to him? And then she brings up this weird, it's not a. Uh, like a metaphor. Metaphor. Thank you. Yeah. About the lamb. Yes. Yeah. And not showing the knife. And I was like, what? Who? Like, I, is that you a never real heard like, that before? When you go to slaughter a lamb, you don't want it to see the knife because then it makes the meat taste scared or something. <laughs> Isn't that right? what she said? <laughs> yeah, she, it, it invests, it goes into like the skin and the meat. And I was like, what? Maybe yeah. I have to ask someone who hunts, but like, no, that doesn't sound right at all. And then he's like, oh, you've killed a lot of lambs. And she's like, yeah, none of them have seen the knife. And I'm like, what a weird fucking metaphor. Yeah, I mean, it painted a good like mental picture for the audience of like mm-hmm. what she's doing. But also, you know, sheep are famously stupid animals. So <laughs> if they saw you carrying a knife, I don't think they would even think twice about it. So Yeah, especially young ones. I'd just be like, la, 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 I don't know what I'm doing. I thought it was kind of funny you said another unfortunate pairing. It's like anytime someone's paired with melisandre isn't that an unfortunate pairing <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's literally um the song poor unfortunate souls from the little mermaid like anyone oh, anyone yeah. that's stuck with her is just uh because she's she's a damn witch yes and uh yeah nobody nobody likes her she doesn't seem to bring good luck either it doesn't seem like anything she's done has up to this point has really panned out in the way that stannis has hoped you know no, he's no. not really any closer than when he started. You could argue that he's taken a few steps back. Yes, but her excuse is that because she wasn't there, and yeah. that's Davos's fault, and that's why we're in this situation in the first place because of him, not because of her. So, okay, cool. <laughs> um, but then, speaking of Davos, we uh, find him in his cell, and he's uh, working on reading. By himself, because I wasn't sure if uh, Stannis' daughter was going to be there. Which, honestly, it made it so endearing that he was practicing by himself. And I was like, aww, I like you so much. Yeah, when I was watching this scene, that part in particular, I was super impressed. And I guess I never really focused. Because I guess that's one thing going back and rewatching one episode and kind of hyper-focusing on it. Like, the acting that he's doing when he's, like, reading that book that's some good acting right there. The way he's like sounding out the words. And when he finally got it and he read like the whole sentence and that look on his face and he was like so proud of himself. Yeah. I I believed that 100%. I was like, that was some good acting right there. That was was a really good scene. He did a great job. Yeah. Cause even the way that he was 
mispronouncing mm-hmm. some of the words that like because i think one of the words was like though and it's like that's a weird word in english anyway and so he's like getting frustrated but then he kept going i was like oh yeah it was a good little like minute of just great singular acting mm-hmm. and i was like and that wasn't even it didn't even need to be in the scene at all but it just it just made his character so much more dimensional it's all that character building yep exactly. yeah yeah so then we see that uh stannis is coming to uh to visit him uh and he's like asking him how they're treating him and i'm like it's your island castle like how would you not know how you're being treated and stannis is like oh you don't deserve to be in there and apologizes for his son's death and i'm like what the fuck is going on like what do you want you know from davos right now and of course oh and i thought in my notes i was like oh he misses him like he wants someone to talk to yeah and I was kind of right because he's telling um, Davos about the plan with Gendry and Davos is like, well, why? What has this guy done? He's not like, like literally he said, he's your nephew. Like, yeah. why are you being like this? I wrote down that he said, we do not choose our destiny. But then it made it sound like Stannis didn't even want to be the king. I don't know that I necessarily noticed that. I got, I guess, the general gist they wanted you to take away from the scene. And it was what Davos was calling him out on his crap and being like, the only reason you really came down here is because you knew I was going to tell you this. I was going to give you the opposite counsel that you're getting from Melisandre. And I thought it was interesting how he brought up Renly and said, you know, if I kill Renly, then why would I care about killing this kid? And Davos basically laid it out for him. It was like, well, Renly did you wrong, you know, and he turned your people against you and he came came at you and he was challenging you. You know, that was that was honorable, I guess, or more honorable. Like what you're about to do with this mm-hmm. kid, there's no honor in that. And that that's not you. Yeah, because, uh, yeah, Davos was like, well, you could have come the day before or the day after. But no, you're coming to me the day that she's back. She told you the plan. Yep. And you're looking for that old hand of the king that he wanted and that like the relationship that they had beforehand. He was looking for that again. And didn't he make some sort of line? I guess it was towards the end of the, the scene where he's like, you don't care much for your own life, do you? <laughs> Tavos is like, no, not not really. Right. Yeah, well, because he said um <laughs> He basically said he was gonna let him out and free him as long as he, you know, didn't raise his hand to the red woman ever again if he swore mm-hmm. it and he said, I swear it. And then he was like, But I'm not gonna hold my tongue. Yes. And then that was when he's like, You don't care much for your own life, do you? <laughs> and, and he's, he's like, like no. not really, no. And but that's that led to the rest of the conversation, which is like, no, but you knew that because that's why you're coming to me in the first place. We all know internally like what's going on. And then um right at the end, Davos he says, Well, I believe that um parents came up with the gods to make their children feel better. But then Stannis is like, oh, well, I actually saw something in the flames, which um, happened many episodes ago, and we didn't know what it was. And he's like, it was a great battle in the snow. So he's like, if I saw this, how can you deny that her god is real? I think that'd be something that Davos could be like, yeah, okay, you say you saw that. But then he also mentioned, and you saw what she gave birth to. That's true. And I was yeah. like, okay, yeah, how do you deny that? How do you, he he watched that. If That probably still haunts his dreams. <laughs> Oh, God. Yeah, it haunts mine for sure. <laughs> um, so, so, yes, that's that's a very good point. Because, yeah, Davos is all about, like, practicality and not into this magic stuff. And he didn't want Stannis to be in it either. But Stannis ignored it for so long, uh, especially in the entire second season. Like, oh, just don't don't worry about it. And now he's like, 
fully into it of like, yes, we're going to sacrifice this kid and we're going to, I saw a vision in the fire and all this because uh, at the beginning he's just like, I said my words, I did my thing. I don't believe in this, but like, let's go. So this is, this is a different, uh, different side of Stannis where he, I think he's fully on board. <laughs> Yeah. Go back to the second son's war tent, which unexpected and didn't, didn't expect to see what's going on with them. And so it's just a discussion between the three captains. And they're like, oh, well, what do we do about Daenerys? Like actually admitting we can't defeat, you know, all of her soldiers. Yeah. And so Mira was like, oh, we don't have to do anything but kill her. So one of us is just going to go assassinate her at night. And then they do a bet with coins. It was basically like drawing the short straw, you know? Yes. Three coins from different locations, basically. So they all look different. And then whoever draws this coin, because there was that girl with them. And, yeah, and so of course. they gave her the coins and she passed them out with her eyes closed. And so whoever got the certain coin, I think it was Bravos. Don't quote me on that. <laughs> that sounds right. I think you're right. They were the one that had to go in and do the the assassinating. Yeah, it, it seems implied that the younger guy, Dario, is the one that gets the, the short straw. So that's yes. like you're, okay, well, he's going to be the one which is a little more open to interpretation of like what's going to happen because he has a little bit more character and he's not so one-dimensional. So we're led to believe that we don't know what's going to happen. And then we go to King's Landing, which we spend a lot of time here. Yeah, and this is the part of the episode. This like this storyline was the one where I was trying to remember what all was going on. Because yes. like when Loris walks up to Cersei on the balcony, <laughs> and she's just like, "Nobody gives a shit about what your father told you," and all that. I was like, "Okay." I mean, I get that Cersei's like she's always rude, but like this seems extreme. And then when I went back and like watched some recaps and stuff, I was like, "Oh yeah, I forgot that they were supposed to get married too." Yes. It was like, "Okay, yes. yeah." Not to get yeah. too far ahead of ourselves. No, but, yeah, no, you're this fine. Whole, this whole in King's Landing scenario, there was a lot of pieces kind of moving around. And I was trying to remember what exactly is going on at this point in time. Yeah. And and this is only, you know, developed in the last probably three episodes. This whole plan, this whole plot of Tywin mm -hmm. Lannister to rearrange everyone's marriage like Midsummer Night's Dream, but a nightmare where everyone is just right. with the wrong person. <laughs> so, uh, and it wasn't even clear to me it, it, at first because you see Sansa she's getting dressed up for something and I, I had to point out that they rub it in her faces that she's still a child because they have a doll right where she's getting ready for her wedding and I was like that's so rude why would, why would you put that there I didn't even notice mean. that yeah, it was like next to the mirror. Okay. It was like this little like doll that she had or something. And I was like, brutal, you guys. Like that's that's real rough. And so you find out basically that like it's her wedding day. Yay, we're getting ready for the wedding. So Tyrion comes to the door, Shay angrily answers. They have awkward, nice small talk. And then Tyrion wants to speak to her alone and tries so hard to tell her we're on the same side. And it was just really hard to watch because understandably she kept up that wall mm -hmm. that she still feels like she needs to. Cause even when he's like, you know, I didn't want this. I know how you feel. She's like, no, you don't. And he's like, you're right. I totally don't. <laughs> I'm so sorry. But he's like, the only thing that I can say is like, I won't hurt you, which I hope she eventually believes him because that is true. And all evidence to like him and her both being in King's Landing, I hope she would realize that. 
is true. She might not know it, but she's with the best Lannister. Yes, absolutely. And so the scene ends with her or him like asking her if she drinks wine because she's only 14. She's like, only when I have to. And he's like, well, today we're going to have to. And like, they actually smile. And I was like, oh, well, this is okay. And it doesn't get better later on. But like, that was, <laughs> that made me a little hopeful of like, oh, okay. Right. You know, maybe they'll be okay. Cause gosh, it's just, it's so, such a weird pairing. And I like both of them so much. So I don't know how I want them to end up. I mean, we would, we keep visiting them. So I'll talk about it later. But like, I just, I don't know how I want them. I don't know how, I, where I want their relationship to go. Honestly, it's, it's very stressful for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, if yeah, the show's no. <laughs> taught you anything, where you want things to go is probably not where it will end up I'm, going. Uh-huh. So. <laughs> I know. So then the pre pre ceremony get together and uh Marjorie approaches Cersei and um oh I want us to be friends. We're gonna be sisters, like trying uh, to do yeah. that whole Marjorie charm thing that she always has, uh that works on other people. And then um Cersei brings up this uh house reign of Castamere story and I was like, This feels like it's gonna be a threat and it was. Oh yeah, it was definitely a threat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it's like, why are you telling a story? Basically the second wealthiest family next to the Lannisters tried to get on top. And is no longer around, thanks to the Lannisters. And this was like the first time that I saw a break in the facade that Marjorie has that she's so good at. So I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, yeah. And Cersei didn't just like spell it out so simply. Like she made sure to paint a very vivid picture about, you know, how her father hung hung the men up and let, left them up there all summer to rot. And it was a long summer. And she wanted to paint a very clear picture. And then at the end, she stopped painting pictures and just flat out made a threat. <laughs> yeah. Wasn't it like, don't, oh, what is it? She, she said, like, don't ever call me sister. Yeah. Or if you ever call me sister again, like I'll strangle you in your bed or something like that. Yes. Yeah. That's what it was, which, all right, cool. And yeah, like you said, Marjorie was kind of, she was shook a little bit. Yeah. Like it, it actually got to her, which um, every other time she's even been with Cersei and Cersei's been like flat out like, oh, you know, you dress like a prostitute or like all the, all this other like shit she's thrown at her. It's just kind of gone like, oh, you know, whatever. Like she always has something for it. But there she's just like, okay, I'm going to walk away and then I'm going to smile and we're going to get away from this person and, and, and keep going with my life. Mm-hmm. Ugh, just yeah don't get on her worst side because she's already on her bad side <laughs> the wedding begins joffrey approaches sansa and she's like what the fuck do you want and he's like oh well since you have no father i'm the father of the realm and i'm like this is like the it, it's not she's already marrying someone she doesn't want to so i'm like this is not going to help the situation between her and Tyrion if she remembers it where the person that ordered her father to be killed gave her away to his uncle like they, you're you're not helping this entire wedding look better and he's not trying to help no no, i know i just i was just he's he's achieving exactly what he's going for which is just to be a huge dick yeah it was it was weird to see him so petty honestly but it's not it's just his day to just be like fuck it i can do whatever i want and he's petty he's petty to both of them it's like two people that he dislikes probably equally and so yes. each every chance he gets throughout the whole episode he's doing whatever he can to just be a little snot you know oh my gosh yeah it just it just escalates because like very small wedding also was that a was that a height joke no no it wasn't <laughs> don't say that 
So we've got so many weddings that have like, and and you know that I know that something's happening in the next episode with a wedding. And uh, so this yeah. entire season, I've been trying to figure out which effing wedding it is. <laughs> and so I was like, okay, well, it's not this one. Is it the royal wedding? Is it this wedding? And then like five other weddings, like red herring weddings have like popped up besides this one, like Cersei and Loris. And then this one with the phrase. And I'm like, what is happening? Yeah, I didn't realize that watching it initially, but you saying that and going back, it's like, even if you know, hey, the Red Wedding exists, there's, there's still, it's still hard to maybe predict exactly which one that is. Right. Now, I think I know, since the end of this episode, I think I know now, but I was still guessing up until this episode, like, I still did not know. Yeah, just the whole thing because oh we're talking about the royal wedding oh we got this and then mm-hmm. some two more arranged marriages of uh, yeah so but i just thought it was interesting that this one was just so small and the fact that like there were just people standing it wasn't like a whole big ceremony or anything it felt very quick very kind yes. of thrown together i noticed that too not in the ceremony part as much but like in the reception which is generally mm. supposed that's like where people are partying yeah. And it was like the only person partying was Tyrion and he wasn't really partying. He was more drowning his sorrows. And yes. so like it, it seemed like a very pitiful reception, you know, for, yeah. to be right after a, a wedding of such high standing. I get like you have two people yeah. that are at that upper echelon of society. You would think the wedding would be a little bit more spectacular. Exactly. And so it's just, it just shows that like how much care, quote care has been put into this wedding just, mm-hmm. and it's more to just like get it over with yep. so that those two can move on. So like you said, Joffrey Petty at any chance takes away the stool that was clearly for Tyrion to use. Yep. Nobody stops him. And then uh, Tyrion's asked to cloak Sansa, which just literally means put a cloak on her as like a symbol of protection or whatever. And so it's really awkward and he (laughs) has to ask her to kneel down, which she does. And it's just, it was just so striking. Like the acting was so good with both of them where they just both look like kind of stunned and in a way kind of innocent. And that like, I know Tyrion has technically been married before, but like neither one of them has been forced to go all the way into a real marriage to someone that they don't care for. Yeah. I think it would be different if we were watching maybe Cersei and Loras because Cersei's done this before and so she might have a different look on her face or like, something. Yeah, but put just, on a better facade. Or or just look even worse, honestly, at oh, this yeah. point. But like because she I mean she had no facade during this whole thing. So yeah, they just it was just like this whole in awe of like, oh my god, this is happening kind of thing. Yeah. Something I noticed in this scene. Uh, kind of small maybe but even though this whole thing is kind of a joke when there's someone in the crowd that kind of is like snickering because joffrey took the stool like tywin looks over and gives him this look like if you don't stop laughing you're dead kind of thing is i think that probably has to do with the fact that Tyrion's still a lannister it's still his family name you know so you can only make so much of a mockery of it before Tywin kind of steps in and tries to keep the whole thing together. Yeah, it was weird, though, where he drew the line, though, because, like, Joffrey laughed and he said nothing. But you're right. Like, the randos in, like, the the back of the the ceremony, it's just like, you shut the fuck up. Exactly. (laughs) Okay, maybe you also could have, like, stopped Joffrey from taking, like, causing, I don't know. Well, Joffrey's technically the king, so... 
Yeah, well, whatever. The father of the realm. Ugh, gross. <laughs> so then, oh, oh, yeah, I didn't like the scene. Uh, so then we go back to Dragonstone Island. Ah, yes. We've got Gendry in this really dope looking room. Melisandre comes in and I noted she came in with a box, but then I forgot about it because I got distracted. <laughs> By what? I, oh, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Just like him not stopping anything of any of this weirdness that was going on around him. Talk about out of your element. He was just yeah. like, what is happening right now? <laughs> yeah, just like, I guess I'll go with it. No. So I thought it was interesting she brought up her past again because she's only told him that like she and her mother were slaves kind of about like her background because she's been very tight-lipped and we don't really know anything about her. So it was interesting that she was using that to like find some sort of connection yeah. him but then she offers him wine he thinks it's poison so she drinks it and then he's like oh this is really good she keeps talking about you know how everything happens for a purpose like the lord of light willed your birth and he's not like questioning that at all and i guess i'm trying to give him too much credit honestly and she's, uh, she's talking crazy he's talking about how there's he has so much power and and then just starts undressing him and he's just like i don't even know if he understood what was happening no i don't think he did i mean you got to figure he's a kid pretty much and he's like a blacksmith kid he's not like a scholar or some brainiac or anything he's just kind of your average maybe even a little bit below average intelligence just guy and all of a sudden he gets thrown in this situation and i'm sure then you know at some point his hormones kick in too and he's just kind of like i've okay if this is what where things are headed <laughs> i mean okay who am i to complain yeah and i feel like that was more of it he's just like i'm gonna kind of ignore like the weird things she's saying that are like kind of religious but not and just go with like what's physically happening i guess right. just because and yeah as a third party i have nothing in common with gendry so why would i believe that i know what he's thinking so yeah they just you know start to have sex but then she ties him up so she ties up his arms and his legs and then puts what i imagine are leeches right yeah they're they're leeches okay to get some of his blood out right but while this is happening davos and stannis just to come in just to to watch or to see what's going on i think that was because uh stannis was trying to further prove his point for Davos and be like, all right, watch this magic that's about to happen so that you'll believe me when I say that this is real. This is legit. That was kind of what I assumed was going on this time around. I don't know if I really paid it that much attention in the past, but after their conversation in the cell, that was kind of what I was thinking this time was, okay, he's she's about to put on some sort of a show and he yeah. wants Davos to see it. An interesting side note, maybe not that interesting, kind of funny, was uh, when you like messaged me, I guess that was last night, and you're like, hey, I'm watching the episode. And I was like, me too. And it was like right during that scene. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, we're going to have to talk about this tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. I got through the episode and I was like, at least I know him. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Could be worse, I guess. Could be. Definitely could be. It also wasn't the most like, I guess, the most drawn out or ridiculous sex scenes that we've had in this show. No, no. There have been some weird ones. Relatively tame. Yeah, yeah. So no, this this was okay. Um, but I think you're right because when those two men came in, Melisandre, because Gendry was like begging them to have it stop, and I think she said to blame them because uh, I think Davos wanted to see the power of the king's blood, and then yeah. like 
But I didn't, honestly, I didn't understand this whole thing of putting the leeches on the fire and naming people. Like, what was, was that a ceremony? Yeah, I think just purely based on a recap I watched today, what the Uh guy in that video said was that when he throws those leeches in and burns them to, Uh and they catch fire and he names them, those are like the people that he wants to remove that are in his way. And he's, I guess, cursing them somehow. Oh, and I okay. don't know, like, I don't know if the intention is to like curse them to where something will happen and they just die, or if it's to like give him victory over them when they meet in battle or what. I'm not sure about that, but that was just the way that this guy kind of explained it in his recap. And I was like, okay, I guess, I guess I buy that. I mean, I can't really think of any other thing because it wasn't a very spectacular show of power. No, they just kind of burnt and then that was it. <laughs> yeah, one like exploded, and I was like. Was that significant? Like, I don't yeah. really understand. So yeah, it was it was a a little anticlimactic. So I was like, okay, like I mean, I fully expected him to be dead too. So I was like, okay, oh no, okay. we're just getting leeches. Okay, like what? Okay, uh. I'm sure that Gendry felt the same way. One that oh, that was kind of anticlimactic, and two yeah. that yeah, he was a little expecting bit expecting to die. Yeah, yeah, a little worried <laughs> for his life there for a second. I think so. Yeah, especially since two men came in also, and it's like, what are you doing here? And I can't do anything now. So yeah, that's just at least she pulled his pants up. Yeah, all the way up. You know, he wasn't completely exposed in front of everybody. No, but she put a leech down there, so. I don't know what's better. Right. Yeah, that that sucks. I would <laughs> No good. No good. That's not good. No. They were huge too. Like I feel like leeches aren't are they normally that big? I'm not a great I don't I know. I have much no idea. That. Okay. For all I know, these were like Game of Thrones leeches. I feel like I feel like they were. Also, I think like real leeches will release easier than these. Like she kind of ripped these off and I think real yeah. like you can get real leeches to just kind of pop off, but I probably I don't know if she was just being cruel or if there was some reason she threw one down there, but he did not enjoy it getting pulled off. No. Well, she also like became very matter of fact as soon as those two came in and she was like doing her job. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, yeah, that facade's all gone now. I don't understand how that ties into her her metaphor before because now Gendry knows like this is not a good place to be. So will that affect like yeah. what she does with him later? I'm not sure. Oh, yeah. The lamb metaphor. True. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. And I guess the whole reason to get naked and get him on the bed was just to tie him up. Like you, there was no other way to do that. I mean, get his blood pumping. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I think it was all just kind of like a, um, the way that it was written, I feel like it was just kind of like a red herring of like the audience thinks like, okay, this is going to be the way she sacrifices him or something. But yeah, yeah, like she could have realistically though. Yeah. Why did she do all of that to just like get a, you know, a little bit of his blood? (laughs) It was, it was just the same reason that Daenerys was in a bathtub later, you know, just cause we got to get our nudity in. Of course, we have to play to the fans. That was weird. So poor Gendry now. We don't know what the hell is going to happen to him. So we're back at King's Landing and we've got the reception, which, like you said, is actually quite small. You know, not a lot of people, not much going on. You see Tyrion is getting like shwasted. Yeah, like legit drunk. <laughs> yes, like the, the worst we've ever seen him. And Sansa's is just, you know, noticing, not looking very happy. But then we've got the Lady Olena, who is happily bringing up all of the weird family ties and names that she can think of that are happening once all these weddings are done. And nobody is happy about her saying any of this. And it's like, what are you doing? 
Nobody was happy except for me because that was like my favorite part of the episode was her doing the whole like I'm my own grandpa thing, you know, just like she's trying to figure out how it all connects. And yeah, that was hilarious. Yeah, that was wild. I just, and then she's like, oh, you know, whatever. But like both her grandchildren are just like, can you please stop? Like, we don't want to hear, we don't want to hear how weird this is going to be already because like we have to do it. So don't. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So yeah, like Loris gets up and leaves. Yeah, he's, he's had enough. Like he's the one that's probably most frustrated out of that family. Yeah, because he had a, yeah, he had a better deal. Marjorie was going into this already knowing like, okay, this is going to be hard, but. She, I think, has enough smarts and prowess and knowledge to, like, you know, make it through. She also had the drive. Like, she wants to be queen. So, like, yeah. she's got that driving her. Whereas Loris, he's just getting kind of pushed into this. He, it's Yeah. Not, he's not motivated by anything necessarily of his own, you know, will. Yeah, we, we don't know what Loris wants. We don't, we don't see any ambition in Loris right, at all. Right, exactly, yeah. He doesn't want to play the game. No. Let's see. Loris gets up. We get Sansa who asks Tyrion if she can like go and he's like whatever. And then Joffrey goes after Sansa. Cersei gets up herself. So everyone's like going different ways at the reception when Tyrion's alone. Um, Tywin approaches him and he's like, hey man, I need you to, uh, to not get so drunk that you can't do anything tonight. So no, I mean, for lack of a better term, no whiskey dick. Yeah. No passing out before you uh, consummate this marriage, dude. And it's like, that was, all right, cool. (laughs) Yeah. And Tyrion's like, hey, there's only a few things that I'm good at, but I got this, you know? Get off my back. (laughs) Pretty much, yeah, because he's like, well, you said I was full of, like, uh, uh, lust and and wine. And he's like, I'm doing, I'm going to do the two things, like, that you said I was good at. In an insult, get get away from me. And then in a weird, like, switch of the scene, you see Tywin, who uh, sees Loras, like, on the second floor, and, like, raises a glass to Loras. And then in a one-sentence scene, which you brought up earlier, Loras (laughs) approaches Cersei, trying to make some poignant remark or something and she just like shuts him down so hard (laughs) yeah poor guy (laughs) that was honestly the best part to me where he was just like well my friend she's like fuck off yeah i don't want any part of you or this and i'm so mad because she just i mean she sees herself probably in this and that she's already done this before and you know at least you know the way that she talked in season one uh she was seemingly in love with her first husband robert like she did love him and then just found out that well he didn't love her then everything got bitter but yeah clearly neither one of them cares about each other so that was just brutal then we we cut to sansa who is walking around and then joffrey of course just digging into everything that he can which it's just a weird a weird side of him he's becoming he's coming into his own just like every other character but i just hate it (laughs) yeah exactly his own sucks yes yes so he congratulates her and then right on top of that the music and the episode gets really tense and then of course he threatens her he's going to come in at night after Tyrion's passed out and then starts to attempt a betting ceremony which it's not too clear what that means. I think it was like that was an actual thing they used to do at like medieval weddings. Okay. Where they would like carry the bride and groom out and oh, I maybe even start to like take some of their clothes off and stuff and throw them in the bed. And I'm not 100% sure. I can't remember where exactly I heard all this, but I'm pretty sure that like the party just keeps going on while they're 
in that side room doing their thing. And then right. they may even come out and be like, yeah, hey, we did it. And everyone's We're like, yeah, good yeah. job. You know, the wedding's official now. And Okay. That's what it seemed like. Kind of where that comes from. Okay. So it was uh, some sort of real tradition at some point. And then. Well, it might be, or I might've just made that up. I no, don't know. <laughs> it feels weird enough that I don't think George R. R. Martin would have like totally made that up. I think, right. I think yeah. there's enough behind it so that, yeah, something used to happen. And then, you know, Tyrion keeps saying no, and then uh, it escalates where he threatens Joffrey. And then, like you said, Tywin steps in again. It says, oh, he's very drunk. He's making a joke. Don't worry. I'm sure he didn't mean to threaten the king. He's very drunk. Yeah. Yeah. Tyrion's like, you're right. I didn't. Let's go. <laughs> that was that was a great scene from the threat and like just the pure anger in his face and how mad he was at Joffrey. Like yeah. you could tell that he wasn't he wasn't joking. And like no. props to Peter Dinklage for that scene because then he just completely flips it when he realizes that the whole room is kind of looking at him and oh yeah, I did just threaten the king. I keep forgetting that this little shit is the king. <laughs> and then he's yeah. he flips it. All of a sudden he's joking. He starts talking about, oh, but I'm so small in the pants and it doesn't even, you know, my wife won't even feel it. Ha ha ha. And then the whole thing kind of turns to a joke and it's like damn steals every scene that he's in but man yeah peter dinklage killer job right there so good and even like clearly how drunk Tyrion is he realizes the safest way for me and my new wife to escape without having this actually happen is yes to agree to show fealty and then to get out of here. So and he, and he escalated that very well. Like neither one of them got harmed. No real repercussions. They skip the ceremony. Yes, exactly. Everything went off okay. And so he's like, right. So we're gonna we're gonna keep this going. So they awkwardly enter their room, and he like gets another drink. And she's <laughs> like, are you sure you should do that? And he's like, yes. And also, you can call me Tyrion now because we're literally married. <laughs> <laughs> like, like this is a thing now. And then he, I mean, still clearly drunk, brings up what Tywin told him to do, which is consummate this marriage and have a son so that, like, we can move on. So Sansa, like, and you don't, you don't exactly know what she's thinking, but, like, she's pretty clearly like, okay, well, I guess this is my life now. And so starts mm -hmm. to have wine and starts undress and he's just like you know no stop he somehow sobers up by like watching her or so something like that he asks her how old she is that's right and she says that she's 14 and he's just kind of like <sighs> even that drunk and even being you know the guy he is like he doesn't see her like that i don't think he doesn't see her as someone that he would typically pursue sexually like he sees her as a kid and someone that he would more try to protect and and so the whole thing is like it's uncomfortable for everybody yes and he's yes. like all right yeah we're not we're not gonna do this he tells her basically like we're not gonna do this until you tell me we're gonna do this or you uh -huh. you say you want to and she says what if i never want to i know and then he looks so sad and he's like all right well then that's it. That's my life, know. you know? I know. And he says, thus my watch begins. Yes. Which, is that to protect and look out for her? Is that what he meant by that? Yeah. I, th I mean, I think it's kind of ambiguous, but yeah, it's like, all right, this is this is my job now. Yeah. You're mine. I'm going to protect you. Also, now apparently I'm celibate. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like, you know, the Night's Watchman. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, kind of. 
And so he's like, yeah, this is uh, this is it now. This is my new my next chapter. Yeah, yeah. Oh man. And and it's such a flip from their relationship from the previous season because it literally was protector because he was going to be her uncle in law. And, yeah. and just the fact that it flipped so quickly and that it could. I don't know if it's ever discussed, and I'm sure it is somewhere in the books, but we, we don't know how old Tyrion is. I'm assuming for medieval sake, maybe like twenties. He can't be in his thirties. Like that just doesn't make sense. Yeah, he's probably a little younger in the books than he is slash appears to be in the show. Right. But it's just, yeah, the fact that like she's 14 and now you're married and like she was even going to like go along with this. This is like the 180 to uh, the first episode of the first season with Daenerys and Cal Drogo because she just submitted because it was her wedding and like that's what happened. And then that that whole relationship got weird. (laughs) And, and quote better but like this is <laughs> you know this is real like and i'm i'm very happy with how it ended but like like i said uh earlier i don't know if i want them to ever have a romantic relationship it still feels weird to me in any other like fantasy romantic whatever feel-good movie it would be like oh no like very beauty and the beast of like oh prisoner and oh they fall in love and yeah it's okay and everything's fine right. it's not like that but they're both good people and so I hope, if anything, he just helps her and and helps her not be so naive because I think he has the smarts that she just doesn't have yet to get through this because they could be very powerful together. Yeah. I think she just doesn't see it yet. Yeah, that's true. So that scene ends with him like literally passing out <laughs> on that bench. Like just as soon as he decides, fuck whatever my dad said, we're doing this our own way and sleep. <laughs> so, so then we go back to the Daenerys camp who we see our assassin is very easily sneaking onto the camp like nobody notices. And you've got Miss and Die who like... Why does she have to give Daenerys a bath? She was just saying like how smart she is. She knows 19 languages, but she's reduced to like, I have to give you a bath. Like, what the fuck? (laughs) Yeah, I uh, didn't really think about that, but it's a good point. (laughs) Maybe it's just because she's like her number one girl. She's kind of always by her side helping her out. I don't know. Yeah. In those days, do people give themselves baths at all period or is there always someone kind of like helping them clean themselves i don't we're probably reading too much into this but (laughs) (laughs) maybe we honestly haven't had that many bath scenes because like when they took gendry off earlier and they were like go and give him a bath do you think like he got in a bath by himself and was just scrubbing it up like we do nowadays or are there like servants that do that for you but then would they be like male servants instead of like i don't because then I feel like if it was a female servant, then it would turn sexual. So I'm not, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, who knows? You know why she was there? She was there because she had to be held captive. Yes. Like, and she had yes, to give Daenerys a little bit of crap for not pronouncing words correctly. Yes. Which was kind of awesome. Because she's like, oh, relatively well. And then they continue the conversation. And then Daenerys is like, wait, hold on. You said relatively well? And then she like, yeah, gives the she excuse didn't like of that. Like, well, I'm out of practice. I'm like, sure. Yeah. And then Miss and Dye's like, oh, yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Like, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I know better than you. So then Dario, of course, appears and reveals himself, holds Miss and Dye, and then you know lets her go but she doesn't run away she just like goes back to stand with Daenerys which all right and then he's like oh you know I don't want to kill you 
ta-da, I killed the other two men for you. And he's like, I only do what I want to do. And I'm like, okay, dude, cool. You're your own person. And then he explains, oh, you know, the rest of whatever happened in that scene that we saw before, they ordered me to kill you. And I said, no. So we all fought in a three-way battle and I won. And she literally said, is this supposed to impress me? And he's like, yes. Well, yeah, because that was more his response to her question because she was like, why would I be impressed by that? Or why would I trust you? If you just killed these two dudes on like a whim. And that was when he was like, well, I only killed them because they attacked me because I didn't want to kill you. And so he's trying to make it sound a little less like, yeah, on a whim, I could just kill you and take over, you know, kind of thing. Like, I think he's trying to sell it a little bit better than it appears. Yeah, yeah, he didn't, it wasn't with the most finesse. He just flipped on the two people that he was with who knows how long. And then she's like, okay, well, you could do the exact same thing to me. So why should I trust you? And then he was like, nope, I'm all yours. I swear to her. And then he had to say, my heart is yours. And I was like, all right, good looking guy. We'll see what Jorah has to say about you (laughs) next time. He's going to be pissed. (laughs) Yeah, it's interesting how his character, like that this is the introduction to this character. I always forget about it, but it's like, it does feel a little flimsy, like how he's introduced and how he joins their party and flips on his own people and all that. It's like, I guess it it all, it kind of ties back to the Titan bastard guy. And it's like, it's all just kind of like, we're, we're trying to get to a certain point. And the way we got here isn't necessarily like the prettiest or best written or what. Like we just had to get from point A to point B. This is how we did it. Don't don't worry about that part too much, you know? Yeah. And I mean, in this scene, they even covered it up with some nudity because it's like she gets out of the bath and puts on a robe. And then she's like, do you swear to me? I'm like, you could have just none of this had to be in a bath. (laughs) Oh, what? She was naked? I didn't even notice that. I don't know what she's (laughs) talking (laughs) about. So they, yeah, they cover up this weird transition of like, okay, suddenly like she has twice the amount of army that she needed before with like nudity and and he's like super into her and i'm like all right this is weird but Mm. we'll we'll see what happens now because like once again in like the flip of an episode she has so many more people just at her hand this is too much like i'm i'm genuinely concerned like how easy this was for her and like how good she's doing right now like it's just it feels weird didn't she make a comment like that in the episode where she said something about like, I don't remember what her timetable was, but like two months ago, I didn't have an army and a year ago, I didn't have dragons and all this kind of stuff when she was trying to prove a point about her power and, and all that. So it's kind of interesting that you mentioned that. Yeah. It seems to be escalating quickly. It is. Yeah. And it's real. Whoever she hits first that like, you know, is another person that we know of in Westeros, like, fuck man like they (laughs) they have no idea what's coming for them like nobody knows what's happening over here right so it's it's wild oh so then we go back to king's landing for a second we've got Porsche, which i don't even know what we're gonna do with her later on but um she like bursts into the room neither one of them is awake and she's like i brought breakfast like really angrily and like sansa gets out of bed and Tyrion's still on that little bench and so she she pulls the pillow out from under Tyrion's head yeah, she does. That's true. Or it was like, I think it was like her dress or a robe or something. It was like a piece of yeah. clothing or something. But then she looks at the bed sheets to see and there was nothing there, which in medieval times uh, means that there was no consummation of the marriage. And she like gives this like really small smile to Tyrion and he's like, yeah, I did a good thing. And um, she takes the sheets with her, which 
I assume is that like presumably to hide or like to get clean so no one else can confirm that. Yeah, maybe so. Maybe I'm thinking too far ahead. Yeah, I can't remember exactly, but she definitely takes them and probably is, I I would assume to be cleaned like Mm -hmm. one, because I think that's kind of just like her job, right? Isn't it? She's like Sansa's handmaid. Handmaid, yeah. And then also too, yeah, if she's on, if she's still on Tyrion and Sansa's side, she probably wants to kind of help them out and get that job done as quick as possible so that it, it can be kept under wraps as long as possible that they didn't actually do the deed. Yeah, and so far it seems like she is. I don't know how long she's going to last because she is super jealous. And she's not being very subtle about it. Like she's she's being a little bit like not really passive aggressive, just aggressive. <laughs> and so it's like All Yeah, right. a little aggressive aggressive to Tyrion. And yeah. I'm sure Sansa, you know, is smart enough to pick up on that, like, why are you so mad? So yeah, I'm a little worried if Sansa finds out what was going on or what is going on or, or- yeah, so right. that, that whole triangle is still very fragile. And then, final scene, we go to somewhere in the north. And we've got Sam and Gilly and the baby. And these three I am concerned about. <laughs> so they, uh, and I feel like I was rightfully uh, worried. They find this small shelter, uh, which is right by a tree with a scary ass face in it. Mm-hmm. It's called the scary ass face tree. Oh, thank God I got it right. Sweet. <laughs> I mean, there's so many names. It's, it's hard for me to remember everything, but I'm so glad. Yeah, I, d- I have no idea what's up with that tree. Like, I <laughs> don't don't feel bad. Like, you could- no, I was like, what is this? And then, uh, like, two. Are they crows or are they ravens? Like, do we know? Is there a di- I know there's a difference in the type of bird, but, like, do we know which one it's supposed to be? I'm going to go with raven. Just okay. Just because... There's symbolism there yeah. and okay. seems smarter than crows. Maybe I have that, that backwards. Right. I don't know. So, but yeah, I don't know that it really necessarily matters for what happens in this scene. Okay. But I just kind of always assume Raven because what's going on with Bran and all that kind right. of stuff. And, and those used to be, it was a big messenger thing in the first season and a half. Like send a Raven. Yes. Yeah. So, okay, so two of them show up in the tree, which, okay, a little ominous. Then they're just kind of like making conversation. Sam can't build a fire. (laughs) Not a very good Boy Scout. (laughs) No, he's not. How did he get that far without not knowing? I mean, like. He got that far by his friends. And because he does have a unique skill set of like knowing things and Books, being knowledgeable yes. and that, you know, Gilly made that comment about, do you use fancy language, you know, to try to confuse me? And he's like, no, I seriously, that's just how I talk. You know, that's just yeah. who I am. And he's trying to explain to her how first names and last names work and all that kind of. So it's like, it's a really interesting pairing where she's kind of, she's not even really necessarily, I wouldn't necessarily describe her as like street smart. But like she can build a fire. Yeah. She's more on that level. Whereas Sam's kind of teaching her about bigger words and what last names are and that kind of thing. And then it, you know, that kind of ends on a, like a little bit sadder note when they're talking about their cruel fathers and kind of bonding over that. Both of them having bad dads. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was nice to see them bonding and, and it was kind of a nice juxtaposition of like in, in most fantasy or whatever oh the man knows how to build the fire and and the man knows how to cook and all this stuff like she knows the practical things to do up north whereas sam is just like i read a book 
and another yeah. thing. And I used to be rich and I, I was very spoiled. And then now I'm here. So, uh, so that was nice. And then all of a sudden there's so much bird noise and calling and Sam's like, I'm just going to go look. And she's like, don't. And she's like, I'm going to do it. <laughs> so <laughs> They like both go out and that entire tree is filled with ravens. And then on a dime, they just stop and that he has no name, but I've seen him before. It's just like the older looking zombie white Walker that we've seen in the past is approaching and Gilly knows. And I think rightfully so that he's come for her son um, because uh, for whatever deal that Craster had with them, that's what he was owed. So like Sam tries to fight him and he like totally like smashes, like shatters the sword and throws Sam aside. And then Sam realizes he has, it was a Valerian. St- no, that's not dragon glass, right. dragon glass. That's the other one. Okay. Yeah. So he pulls that out and like stabs him. And then the dude shatters into like a million pieces and then they run away, like followed by crows which was wild, but like he, he leaves the dragon glass. He doesn't pick it up again. Yeah. That was something that, uh, cause my wife watched this with me when I was rewatching it. And so that was something that we both commented on. Like, right. did, did he, do we thinking about it? He just learned something important about dragon right. glass, but did he drop it? Did he pick it up? And we just like missed, like, was it quick or, you know, or did he have more? It really looks like a really dumb mistake the way this episode ends. It's like, <laughs> wow, you just, you left the thing that worked against the White Walker. Speaking right. of White Walkers, I'm trying to remember what we've seen of them up to this point. Have you, like, what have you seen of the White Walkers? Let's see. So we saw, obviously, in the first episode, we've seen them near Craster's because that's why Jon Snow was doing all of this investigation of like what happens to the boys because he only wanted daughters. So we know that Craster has a deal with the White Walkers where he gives them all the the sons that he has. Have you seen them in like larger numbers than just yes. like one or two? That was the next one was um, they attacked the Night's Watch party that went beyond the wall. Okay. And so they were... While John was off with the wildlings, they got attacked. And you know that like dead people will turn. Yes, because when when the wildling party found it, it was just all these dead horses and like a weird arrangement, and there were right. no bodies. Okay, so so you know that like this guy looked different than the ones that come back from the dead. Kind of like those guys look just like humans with blue eyes. That yeah, are cold. he's like some sort this of guy weird- is like glowing blue kind of he seemed a little bit more important than just like oh yeah yeah because he was he was on i want to say he was on a horse because uh sam ran into them and like he he like avoided sam for some reason and just kept going okay i yeah i remember that part okay yeah so you realize that sam didn't just kill any old like average white right yeah this one was important and and yeah it wasn't by fire either which was also weird because uh, he had the, you know, obviously the stick went out, but there's another way to kill them besides fire, which is the only way that they had figured out previously. Yes, which is good to know. Yes, if they can find more of that uh, dragon glass. And if Sam can make it to tell anybody. 
I know. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like this is something, honestly, that they might yada yada over the next time we see him and he still has it. And like, oh, I grabbed it when we were running or something, you know, so I feel like. Yeah, I can't remember what happens with that. I'll be interested to know listening to your future episodes, you know, yes. when yeah. when and how does Dragon Class come back up? I don't know yet because it's, it's been very sparse uh, and I always forget the name of it because it'll appear very randomly. But yes, yeah, so that's like the end is just them running away they all made it through they're trying to get to the wall and so kind of a stressful ending to an episode (laughs) yeah yep so how do you feel now now that we're getting through to season three and and watching it again for the third time i like watching it i like revisiting uh episodes i mean especially this era of game of thrones like i've said before these three four and i think the middle chunk of game of thrones is like that's peak Game of Thrones television right there. It's great. And so it's always fun to go back and rewatch it. I think, you know, if, if I ever get invited back to this podcast, then I'll probably watch a few episodes leading up to the one that I'm going to be right. on next time. I think I've learned my lesson. But uh, but yeah, I, I like going back and doing it. I, I'm really enjoying listening to you go through it because it's so interesting to like hear where you're at with characters and like what you're feeling about this thing and that thing and knowing you know how things end and how it turns out what happens it's like oh i can't wait for her to get to this part to hear how she reacts or i can't wait to get and so that that part of the journey has been a lot of fun and so i look forward to your episodes as they come out oh thanks so yeah but you know at this point probably going to be season four before i'm back because you only have a couple more episodes and i only have two yeah but uh, we don't necessarily have to wait and do one a season. I'm usually pretty available. So, and you know, yeah. if you if you ever have that Goober J back on here, I can't let him one up me. Oh, so. okay, that's right. <laughs> you, okay, so we're fighting for the most times on the podcast. I got right, it. So if if he comes back on, you know for sure, I, I gotta. Come you have back to come on, back. So. Okay, sure, sure, sure. We can we can start a tally. Yeah, there you go. See how it all shakes out at the end. And um, I know. I feel like uh, another thing I should probably do is shout out to my co-host Dylan for yes. giving me his login to watch the episode. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So he he hooked me up on being able to watch it because I was like, well, I guess I could just sign up for another trial of HBO because I don't keep I don't watch it that often, so I don't keep it. But it's like yeah. uh, he he hooked me up, and so you know, shout out to him. I'm sure Yay. he'll probably make his way back on this show at some point too. Yes. Thank you, Dylan. Speaking of Dylan, and if nobody knows who you are by this point, they should. So please remind everyone about your podcast. Yes. So if you listen to the Christmas special that Emily was (gasps) on with some other podcasters, I was the one that hates Christmas music. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. (laughs) I think Emily was tired of my shit by the end of that. (laughs) You were a Grinch for sure. But uh, yeah, so I I host a podcast called Level Playing Field. I've mentioned it before on here and we talk about video games. We release episodes once a week. They come out every Monday and we have a lot of episodes that are like about specific games. Like if you really enjoy The Witcher or if you really enjoy Marvel Spider-Man on PlayStation 4, like we have episodes that just dive deep into those games, but we also do general topics, things like that. We uh, have little segments and stuff that we like to throw in there and keep it interesting. Probably the most notable thing that we've done recently is launch a Patreon where we have 
two more podcasts that you can access there at the lowest tier, the cheapest tier we have on there for just a couple bucks a month. You can get access to the movie podcast that we're always joking about because two of my <laughs> co-hosts, my sister Aubrey and then my, my buddy Caleb, they're always trying to derail the video game talk and talk about movies. And so we're always like, hey, why don't you guys just start your own podcast, talk about your, all your movie stuff. And so they finally done it. That's on Patreon. And then we also have a more just kind of general conversational show where it's like, if you guys decide you want to support us and you like us enough to do that, then you probably want to get to know us a little bit better. And so this show is more about just us talking about whatever's going on, uh, maybe about some f funny stories like in our episode zero pilot that we've done for it. Dylan tells a story about how stuff is just randomly getting mailed to his apartment and he doesn't know why. And so oh, no. there's, you know, just stuff like that <laughs> is going on. And so that show will probably grow and morph as, as we, you know, kind of catch a groove with it. And then we have some additional tiers with additional things that you get, like uh, unedited versions of the episodes where you get to hear jokes or stuff that got cut on the final version <laughs> and, and, and things like that. And so it's really just a way for if, if you like what we're doing over there to show us a little bit of support there, we give you a little bit something in return and everybody's happy. So even outside of that, if you don't want to go that route, we have just our video game podcast that we do. And we also are on YouTube with video versions of that. And we're putting out content that's kind of trickles out here and there. We do our best. We're trying to get more uh, stuff on there. And then we're trying to get into streaming a little bit more. So like doing game nights or, or things like that. I'm planning on streaming the Assassin, the older Assassin's Creed games at some point. Oh, just little things like that. Search level playing field gaming and that's where you'll find us. And for the podcast, we're everywhere. We finally got approved to Pandora after like a year of trying. And, nice. But yeah, if, if you search for us, we should be anywhere. Just look for five cartoon goobers on the on the cover and that's us. <laughs> My audience should know that I've been on there a few times. Yes. Not including our Christmas crossover spectacular. So, I mean, even if you want to jump in at some point, find where I am on there and then yep. go from there. Two really good episodes with Emily. The first one was where... Uh, <laughs> The mystery of why everybody calls me Tom was, yes! was solved. And then finally, uh, and then the other one was one of those uh, deep dives on a specific game that I was talking about. We talked about a spirit fair, the yes. great little indie game that came out last year. So definitely, definitely go check those out. Yeah. And yeah, everyone should obviously go listen to you guys. Yeah. And every week too, which is just commendable in itself. But once again, thank you for jumping in, being a guest again, not knowing what episode it was again, and just <laughs> being comfortable talking to me about anything and everything Game of Thrones. Oh, yeah. It's a lot of fun. Thanks for having me. <laughs> of course. And like I said, we'll obviously do it again. There are many more seasons and so much shit has to happen. We'll talk about it again soon. All right. Cool. Word of mouth is so important. So please tell a friend about the podcast or even leave a review. Every little bit helps our community and the podcast grow. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at, at Game of Thrones Pod, on Facebook at Game of Thrones Podcast. You can email me at Game of Thrones Pod at gmail.com, and the website is www.gameofthronespod.com. Game of Thrones was created, hosted, edited, and produced by Emily Bateman, and the music is by Simon Dom. <laughs>